Welcome to the Feminine Thriving Podcast, brought to you by the Jade Temple, the sisterhood devoted to the wisdom and pleasure of the female body. We are your hosts, Tamara Klemick and Hilary Kimball, and we are excited to journey with you as we share all about how to move from surviving to thriving in a female body. Thriving for us means you feel a sense of safety in your own body, that you are dripping with sensuality and aliveness, that you're experiencing pleasure and orgasms that connect you to your own divinity, and you feel confident, powerful, and abundant walking this planet with a badass community of sisters by your side. Oh, and we welcome the mess, the mud, the chaos, and embrace all that it is to be a woman. There will be solo episodes, episodes with both of us, and episodes with other smart, wise, funny, and sexy women, and maybe even men, to share their embodied wisdom with us. We acknowledge our sharing on this podcast comes from the experiences and viewpoints of us, two white, middle-class, cisgendered women. If we ever say anything that causes harm to you or your experience on the planet, please share with us so that we can continue to grow, learn, and bring new perspectives also to this space. So, without further ado, let's drop into today's juicy episode. Hello, and welcome back to the Feminine Thriving Podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm super excited to be here with Marnie. She's um, a sister of mine, a good friend, a teacher, a mentor. What else? She's been my boss. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, she uh, is the founder of the Somatic Institute for Women, which is an incredibly powerful movement for educators, for women to educate women about somatics, sexuality, the erotic, shadow, shadow hunting, um, many, many different aspects. And yeah, for me, it has been a transformative part of my own journey and a part of my own teachings. So I'm really, really, really happy to be sitting here with you, my love. Thank you. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about who you are? Um, I guess I can also speak to, um, yeah, the fact that the Somatic Institute for Women is my main project and, and, and it's also one of my projects. I also have now a, um, here in Kopangan, recently founded with my ex-partner, an uh, eco-somatic permaculture project here, which is really exciting. And then I also run shadow work facilitator trainings with a man called Christian Pankhurst. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, other other projects around the erotic and transpersonal eroticism. So I feel like finally I'm able to have all different parts of myself expressed because mm. the Somatic Institute is one part, a big part, but not all parts as well. For sure. <laughs> so much beauty. Mm. Creating so much beauty on the planet. Mm. <laughs> so... As you know, Feminine Thriving is the name of this podcast. So I would just love to start with asking what comes to you when you hear these words? What does it mean for you to be thriving in a female body, moving from surviving to thriving in a female body? trying not to speak 
directly from my mind. So I'm going to, yeah, really just allow a moment to see what genuinely and authentically wants to come. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to have like answers, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (sighs) Thriving. It's interesting. It's not a word that I often use. So I'm sitting with what that really means to me and thriving for me I guess is rooted in my ability to be really connected to my needs and my values Mm -hmm. and how I then orient my life seeded from the connection to my needs and my values so thriving for me is being being in integrity with myself Mm. yeah Mm. and I actually wrote something the other day about this that I was wondering what freedom meant for me because it's such a word that we throw around and freedom was connected to my fulfillment so Mm. when I'm fulfilled I feel free and then what is it that makes me experience fulfillment is my needs and mm-hmm. my values mm-hmm. being um, exercised daily, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So thriving for me is being very rooted in my essential, intrinsic connection to myself mm-hmm. and, and not having that idea of connection to myself as a concept as words that I speak, but a very visceral experience on a daily level. Yeah. So when I'm connected to those pieces, then I guess I'm thriving. Mm, (laughs) And when I'm not, I'm not thriving. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. Then all those weird shadowy behaviors of control and manipulation and other things that are also very beautifully human Mm -hmm. start to run the show a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. And when you talk about being like connected to your needs, what are the greatest ways for you personally to feel like you can connect to those needs? Being vulnerable and honest about them Mm. to myself and Mm -hmm. those closest to me. So I firstly discovering that I had needs was the first step Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it took me 30 years to realize that I had needs and (laughs) that was normal. (laughs) (laughs) You beat me, love. (laughs) So I'm also aware that you said like what is feminine thriving, right? So there's another piece that I guess will be picked up at some point, but we'll we'll speak to this first Mm. like because there's thriving and then what is it to thrive in a female body, which Mm -hmm. is a whole nother layer. Mm. But yeah knowing knowing what my needs are it it it's like logical but a lot of people don't realize what their needs are mm-hmm. they're just responding to stimulation from the outside and adapting a lot and that adaptive behavior comes from wanting to be in connection wanting to be loved which is a fundamental need but when we're not honest about that then there can be these elements of um, compromising and self-abandonment actually the opposite starts to happen so when I'm connected to my needs another piece is 
and and how I'm connected to my needs is what feels good and what doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like it doesn't have to be so laid and complex, mm-hmm. but it becomes scary because when things don't feel good, then we have to do another thing, which is learn how to set boundaries, which <laughs> is like a whole nother layer. Mm-hmm. So what helps me stay connected to my needs is also understanding what my boundaries are, what my yes is, what my no is, mm-hmm. and then feeling safe enough to say my yes and say my no. Mm-hmm. And that's safe enough inside of me is recognizing that if I say I need something or I'm a no to something, that my nervous system, that my body, that my younger parts know that even if my expression of my need or my boundary may result in a disconnection with another person, that I'm still going to be okay. So it's a very intimate process with the younger parts of myself or the parts of myself that don't yet fully realize that we are okay mm-hmm. um and and it's like a an inner mothering process around those pieces mm. as well so it's a it's a big orchestra <laughs> that's going on <laughs> in those moments yeah yeah definitely and again like if simplifying and simplifying like there is this what you talked about this nervous system safety and being able to create the safety in the nervous system that's also a part of being able to identify what feels good and what doesn't feel good, therefore identifying our needs and then how to communicate those needs. And again, it comes back to nervous system safety to know when we're communicating those needs that, as you said, we can feel safe in ourselves to know that it, even if there is disconnection, it doesn't mean death, <laughs> which is what it often feels like before we've built that capacity within ourselves. Yeah, isolation being alone can feel like death on a on a nervous system level it can i mean death sounds dramatic but it can feel that way we we so we do everything we can to avoid feeling lonely and alone i mean i feel like loneliness and aloneness are two different things Mm -hmm. i really love aloneness um but yeah that feeling of knowing that i will survive without this person's connection mm-hmm. essentially mm-hmm. yeah mm. yeah <laughs> so beautiful and i think we can kind of stay in this zone for a little while because it's a big one um and yeah like you said it took nearly 30 years for you to be able to identify that you had needs and then start to be able to identify what those needs are for me it was even longer 35 I would say um but what do you think is the reason we're just going to pause for one second (laughs) what were we saying (laughs) (laughs) we were talking about I was going to ask a question actually specifically about needs and um your perspective on how we all ended up in a place that most of us are going through our lives not knowing what our not knowing that we have needs and then not knowing what our needs are like what are the contributing factors for us taking 30 and 35 years to even begin that journey i would say culture has a big thing mm-hmm. you know it's so easy to go oh mom and dad but it, it it's it's an institutional cultural issue It's where our culture has placed its value system and 
it has not, if we're talking about white colonial Western culture, mm-hmm. which we grew up in with both Aussies, mm-hmm. we have not been nurtured into a culture that gives value on emotional intelligence, on safety, um, on a relational level. Um, we have entered a world of deep disconnect and disembodiment and, you know, like you can see it in the hospitalization system, the birthing system in the hospitals. You can see it in the way that um, people are trained in psychology, in psychiatry. You know, I have women coming into my program who have got masters and PhDs in psychology And they say this is the first time that they're actually really feeling like they're applying things that feel conceptual, Mm. that they have data around, but actually didn't know how to exercise, apply with real human beings. (laughs) And, um, And so if we just take a moment to really place, if we want to place blame somewhere, it's really important that we look at it from a meta level because it's easy to go to um, our parents or our great-grandparents or a community we maybe grew up in. It's like we have to look big first and reverse engineer it from there because it's easy to just place our pain on someone Um, that we didn't get the love, nurture, care, attunement, co-regulation that we need. And, but why? Because people weren't educated. So I think that that's the first thing that is important to look at. Then if we go to our family, a lot of the time what happens is that our parents and their parents didn't know how to regulate a nervous system and a child's nervous system can only be really regulated by itself when it's seven years old that's massive Mm -hmm. right so we need our secure attuned attachment until about seven Mm -hmm. and for the rest of our life but until we feel some level of autonomy within our emotional system Otherwise, it's so overwhelming. There is a flooding of sensations that are happening in our bodies. And so this piece around what happened, why, is because if we're not having the attunement from our primary caretakers, where our attachment system and nervous system is feeling the unconditional presence of the one taking care of our survival, what starts to happen is we become adaptive in order to get that love that we need, in order to get that connection that we need because our life literally depends on it. So when we are it's all good. Yep. When we are growing up as a young chicken, <laughs> then we are getting signals of what is allowed and what's not allowed in order to keep getting that love and connection and attunement that we need. So 
I feel like that's where parts of ourselves get exiled, parts that aren't welcome in the family. Certain emotions might not be welcome. Certain behaviors might not be welcome. And that's where our needs also get cast into the shadows. So maybe we get messages indirectly or directly from our parents or the people that are taking care of us that this need is allowed, but that need isn't allowed. Say you have a need, uh, you are a creative person, but your family values intellect, the intellect mm. and intellectual information. So they may not nurture and support your need of expressing your creativity and discovering what your artistic creative expression is and get you to do I mean, I'm giving an extreme example, but five hours of reading Shakespeare in the afternoon, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that's, you know, you don't want to disobey because then mum or dad will maybe retract their love from you. And this is not A plus B equals C. This is all an undercurrent of nervous system responses and reactions often going on with nonverbal cues or certain ways in which our caretakers are expressing themselves through tones of voices, facial expressions. There's so many things as a young child we're picking up on that's nonverbal to tell us, oh, yep, that that thing that I feel or want or need to express, that's not going to work here because I need to stay connected to my parents. Mm -hmm. And our connection to our caretakers is a primary fun. Having a healthy attachment is really a part of our core survival as a human. So it really starts with with overt and subtle cues of what's allowed and what's not allowed. And, and also how our parents are modeling certain behaviors to us. I know that there were certain things that both of my parents expressed around their needs that I rejected. So I, I also rejected them within myself mm. as well. I mean, this is shadow work, basically. <laughs> this is like what I'm obsessed with. But everything is, is that's not allowed is cast or things that we don't want to be is also cast out. So, for instance, I have a little bit of a complex around people who are needy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was like, well, I don't want to be needy because of whatever experience I had. So I threw that out. And when I discovered, oh, there's a person in my life that was expressing this and I didn't want to be like them, so I did the opposite, became super hyper-independent woman, that's where I disconnected from my capacity to actually say, I need you, mm. right? Which is so important to say, I need you, I need your help, I need your love, I need your support, I need you to just be with me right now. It's like, no, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. So there's two parts of the messages we receive and then our own kind of aversions to at all costs not wanting to be like that, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very nuanced, but these are the pieces that I can speak to. The casting out of our needs are in, in, in short, it's in relation to uh, staying in connection with people that are caring for us and we're getting love from. Yeah. 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 And as you said before, it's kind of the two parts. There's the societal, structural aspect where we're literally trained not to listen to our needs in school in all of the different places so it's like you have needs but 
uh, not listening to those needs is actually rewarded. Yeah, exactly. And then without complying, pen, complying. Yeah, exactly. Being a good girl or yeah. a good boy. Even even like not needing, not even listening to your need to go to the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> In yeah. many places, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just you you talked about this need for co-regulation until we're seven years old and that when we are children we do need to stay in connection for our survival particularly in those first seven years and we do need connection as we grow up as we're in as we're adults but those connections are not as linked to our survival um yet it feels like it it feels like it is and that's kind of the core distinction i think is even though it can feel like it's completely linked to our survival, knowing that it's not, knowing that it's safe for us to be in that disconnection, that we are still whole and complete and anchored to ourselves is really one of those keys for, yeah, being able to access and communicate those Absolutely. those needs. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that as an adult it can feel and it is very real on a nervous system level that that feels like our survival is dependent on it because there is a rupture. So what's really beautiful is because some people, let's just give like an example a lot of us can probably relate to, not breaking up with a boyfriend, right, or a girlfriend that we just are so not fulfilled by, we're so not met by, or even a friend, right? Mm. But let's talk about partners because that touches those core wounds really deeply and people stay in relationships for so long because the thought of being alone is terrifying Mm -hmm. and so they will contort themselves and submit to shittiness because there is such a deep fear of being disconnected and that fear even though rationally it's not doesn't it's not logical but on the nervous system level that's a real experience Mm -hmm. and that's also what we could call trauma as well so it's one thing to just be able to talk about these things and say yeah that's not real as we're adults but it is a lived experience within a nervous system that hasn't caught up with current reality and that's why learning to do somatic work trauma work nervous system work to communicate to your body, actually, we are going to be okay. And that's often the missing link where a lot of people just end up in vicious cycles because they're not actually, the body hasn't caught up mm-hmm. yet. And that's because we're disconnected from the body, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And everything that lives within the body, especially stored trauma. So, um, yeah, it just ends up being a big loop. For sure. Yeah. It's um yeah, it's this 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 it's almost like we don't mature in those seven years into the adult nervous system. So we get trapped in yeah. that childlike nervous system where the connection is survival. Right. And yeah, like nervous system work, trauma work, somatic work, it's so vast and it's becoming obviously very popular. Um, And it's something that we're doing so much of in the Jade Temple, in the Somatic Institute for Women. It's like the bedrock of of pretty much everything that we're doing. Um, And, yeah, I would love it if you could just share, like, what does it mean for you to, like, what what could you 
think of as the sort of first steps for someone that's like, okay, I recognize this part of me. I recognize that I am sort of trapped in this younger nervous system version of myself. I'm feeling a desperate need for connection and feeling like if I was to be disconnected, either even someone that might be in a relationship right now and they're, they're listening to this and it's resonating, what would be the first steps that they might take to start to be able to build that nervous system safety to be able to start to feel like they're making that first step towards a mature adult nervous system? Find support. Uh, what's really important for us to recognize is that there's a lot of studies coming out now about um, one of the most effective elements that contribute to successful therapy is the therapeutic relationship. So it's not necessarily about uh, – the modality of therapy is really important because it really determines where you're focusing and – Creating a therapeutic relationship or experiencing a therapeutic relationship from, say, someone who is a therapist or a coach maybe, really depends what type of coach, it can create a positive, secure attachment system that maybe you haven't experienced before. And so that therapeutic relationship, the, the element of it being therapeutic is the, the fact that you are being held by someone, again, depending on, on their therapeutic model, but say if you were in my therapeutic model, I work with Carl Rogers model, which is this idea of um, the person-centered approach in therapy or in teaching, which is that you are embodying unconditional, unconditional positive regard. Mm. So you have unconditional regard, no matter if they fucked up or not, as ideally a parent would be like, I love you no matter what, right? Empathy, and then on a practitioner level, congruence. So they are congruency as a therapist, a practitioner is what you what is on the inside is seen on the outside. So there's transparency. And those elements can create a secure therapeutic relationship with the client as you would experience from a healthy parent, right? Mm -hmm. So having that imprinting from a space holder is really powerful to learn how to come with all your vulnerabilities, your pain, your shame, your joy, your bliss, all of it, and be held by someone that's mirroring back to you on multiple different levels, on a limbic level, on your mirror neurons, on a nervous system level, an attachment system level, on a soul level, like you are, I'm here, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved. So just finding, and that can be a friend as well, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm just speaking more in a therapeutic context, but I mean, we want to make sure that we're not using our friends as therapists all the time as well, even though we are the best therapists <laughs> to each other, <laughs> irreplaceable. And when you're entering into a consensual agreement with someone, you may enter in a, into agreement with a friend like, hey, yeah. I want you to play this role for me in mm -hmm. a more like structured way. Um, but my point is, is that being able to give your nervous system the experience of a secure attachment that is also helping you 
to digest discomfort through your body that is also helping you to feel the discomfort to feel the things that we don't want to feel and sort of have someone holding your hand and breathing you mm-hmm. through it so that's on like a one-on-one level and on another level which i think can be more important is a community mm-hmm. level so having community i feel like this is a big part of our colonial embodiment um, within the West that we've lost because we've lost our Indigenous roots to our own Indigenous European um, like pagan Indigenous Mm -hmm. um, uh, ancestry tribe yeah Mm -hmm. which is really important that uh, we recognize we've been severed from that, mm-hmm. but it was ro- always rooted in community. It was always rooted in the connection to our ancestors, holding each other, the land, all of these things. So a lot of this is also a big part, again, of being disconnected from our roots, from constantly outsourcing our belonging to someone rather than the whole of life, rather than community, rather than the land. So being able to be in community, whether that's Jade Temple, where you're going and sitting in circle, just being able to sit in circle with women and share, I feel this, I feel that, and recognizing that you're not the only one Mm -hmm. that feels like that, that in itself is already inviting a sense of shame, um, slowly dissipating because when we find out that we're not alone, there's a profound level of healing that can happen and there's only a certain type of healing that can happen within community or within tribe, tribal healing, where the amplified field is really supporting your integration of these pieces. Mm-hmm. And I think that both of them are important. Yeah. You know, they're different. I just feel the community piece is really vital because it's such a thing that we've been divorced from within our our culture. Yeah, I completely agree. And the feeling that we get often or have women feel when they come to the Jade Temple for the first time and they do, they sit in circle, they listen to everyone else sharing and being like, wow, yeah, I'm not alone. Like this isn't just something that I'm dealing with. And yeah, there's that sense of, of shared experience there's the safety of just being able to be yourself and be received and and loved in that moment. And, you know, when we're getting onto the like nervous system level as well, it's, it's almost like, you know, there's multiple nervous systems holding each other, holding someone that might be in a bit of a challenging moment, someone that might be having a bigger process. Those that are feeling more resourced and more in their power in that moment can hold that space for those that are not and it's 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 so beautiful exactly and something that i love about group work is that when one person shares they're also doing that on behalf of many others in the room so you you really just need one person to be sharing i have shame about how my Yoni looks, for mm-hmm. instance, mm-hmm. right? And it's like other women are like, yeah, me too. And if that woman is there and she's expressing her emotion, she's expressing her pain, she's doing that on behalf of not only the women in the room but all the women who aren't doing that, right, in the more collective field. Mm-hmm. We, we have to understand that our work is impacting on a field. If we talk about this idea of the morphogenetic field, mm-hmm which is basically that when one does it, it's doing it for many, right? So 
this is what's really powerful about group work is that when one is doing it, it's rippling out on a much deeper level as well. It's, it's really profound. The things that I have processed in my system when I've witnessed someone else in their process, it's insane. Mm. <laughs> and that, I mean, for me, that's the, the body intelligence, the nervous system intelligence, the, the soul connection that we feel. And I feel that online, like my school is online. And mm -hmm. I mean, there's some wacky shit that's going on <laughs> online, you know, like time and space transcends everything when we're really dropped into that portal of healing and integration. Yeah, yeah. It's it's true. And this like online space, which is also, you know, where we're about to probably by the time people are listening to this, we're going to be having um, opening our doors to online online um, Jade Temple as well. I was going to say school, but it's it's not school. Yours is a school. <laughs> uh, it's not a school yet. <laughs> we will be. Um, and yeah, just the power of actually what is possible in these spaces. Because for many women who might be listening to this right now, they're like, oh, cool, great. You can go and sit in a circle together on an island in Copenhagen. And, um, but there, there is so much power in these online spaces as well. I've experienced it myself in, in Marnie's spaces. And I, I see it also in, in when I've held group things online. And yeah, it's nothing can be like sitting in front of a group of people, but... And <laughs> it's super powerful and that field is there and the power is absolutely there. So if you are sitting somewhere and feeling like I can't sit in a physical space, then yeah, there are online spaces that are super powerful for this work as well. And just get women together, mm. you know, like mm -hmm. after my one year, so I, for those that don't know, I offer a one year training and often uh, like a teacher training and often at the end after women have learnt many different things, I just say to them, all you need to do is just get in a fucking circle and sit together and just breathe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like just being together, it's enough. Mm -hmm. And it's actually learning how to be together I think is the training. Mm -hmm. So how do we really be together how do we attune how do we regulate our nervous systems together what are these things that are so innate within our bodies already that we just have to remember because we weren't nurtured into them that all of this work is natural it's organic mm. it's mm -hmm. it's a part of who we are as a human being and we have been divorced from that but once you learn to activate certain things within your system sitting in circle and just being able to invite women back into their own remembering of this intelligence is enough. No one needs to be talking and sharing things either, but if you can just learn some basic skills of how to really be in your body and breathe mm -hmm. and sit there with one, two, three, four, five, however many women you have, that's, that's like more than what we can even imagine is doing um, on on such a deep 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 level mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's super beautiful and and so if we were gonna give a few ideas if women were just going to get together on their own um, and, and and create a space two women three women four women and just create the space for themselves to be together to start this process of breathing deeply what else might we offer for them to take into that space so for example what's coming to me is 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 creating a space as much as possible of non-judgment um 
and like judgment comes up sometimes in the in workshops and stuff we can say we're going to have no judgments leave them at the door i think the the idea is that if judgments arise that we realize that they're stuff for us for us it's fuel for us to look at and 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 work within our own process um but creating a space where there's as little judgment as possible for what's being shared that everyone feels like they can be fully authentically themselves without this judgment maybe with comparison and competition which can also be such a huge part of being in spaces with women it's so deeply ingrained that when we're in spaces with women that somehow we're in in competition with each other is there anything else that comes to you if we were just going to offer a couple of tips for women to get together learn how to be be with each other without words Mm. I would say there is a different level of contact and communication that can happen when we don't feel like we have to tell stories or impress or have, you know, perform. And, <coughs> excuse me, um, how can you enter into a space with your friends, let's say, and say, let's have half an hour of no talking Mm. and see how we interact and relate with each other because then the body can come online and be centered and you may end up being, if you're comfortable Mm. with touch, just being together. (laughs) Actually, I would recommend that. (laughs) It's like, how can you create a level of safe, physical contact with one another where you can just attune your breath So what's going on right now is that our nervous systems are slowly, I mean, they've been recalibrating to each other ever since I walked into your house, Mm -hmm. but intentionally allowing our systems to resonate like a tuning fork by coming. And you don't have to do this in physical contact. You can just be, you know, Mm. a little bit apart as well and just synchronizing your breath together this isn't tantra by the way this is just breathing (laughs) not that there's anything wrong with tantra (laughs) nothing wrong with tantra i'm just saying that it's not that Uh because you know like if we're sitting next to each other even if we face each other and looking at each other and breathing we're just looking at each other and breathing right and then if we want to bring different intentions into that that's also beautiful But there is a really huge power that comes with dropping the words, breathing and being together, whether it's sitting face to face, looking at each other in the eyes or having your eyes closed, sitting like this, even we have our hands Mm. here or coming together. Mm. And this is that attunement that our nervous system needed when we were young, when we were up to that seven years old, that maybe our mum did sometimes but didn't know to do it more uh, just because of a lack of education or reading stupid books that said other things. (laughs) 
There's a lot of parents that are like, oh my God, I was in this whole wave of this man that told us to do this and these baby books and there was no malice within that, but they just were educated wrong. Mm. So being together like this and breathing together, wow. I mean, if we had everyone just getting together and taking deep breaths together, we would live in a much better place in the world, I think. Mm. But if you can get comfortable with physical contact and breath with your friends and just co-regulate together, go and read up about co-regulation, research co-regulation, learn how to do it, bring it into not just your friendship circles, but in your family, with your partners, with your animals. I mean, your animals are doing it with you anyway. Even your colleagues. Yeah. We do it at the Jade Temple. Every every meeting we start with some deep breaths and, and it, it's just in silence. And, yeah. you know, whether that's in person or, or looking at a computer when we're doing meetings online and we just. Hmm. Yeah. And even though on a mental level you may be like this is boring, it's slow, There's this, this is a conditioning of having hyperstimulation. So we always want to be entertained with something and this sort of goes against that programming of our also our nervous system that's like yeah a lot of entertainment and movement and stimulation and more and more and more and faster and bigger and better and harder and all of this stuff and this does the opposite so it can feel really uncomfortable but if you can start to just allow yourself a bit of space to do this with yourself and with others it's a game changer Mm -hmm. so that's uh what i would recommend amazing beautiful yeah very very beautiful (laughs) Mm. amazing love so yeah I think it's feeling like a really kind of uh, yeah beautiful piece to to offer for this episode Um, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to touch on about the feminine aspect of feminine thriving because this is another area that I just love to hear you talk on um and maybe the question is, how does thriving in a female body differ from thriving perhaps in a male body? Well, I can't talk about what it's like to thrive in a male body because I don't have one. <laughs> True. Um, apparently well, maybe these days I can maybe just... <laughs> <laughs> she removed her microphone intentionally. Yes. Hold... <laughs> okay, so I'll be a good girl. So basically... Thriving within a female body, well, I mean, learning about your cyclical nature, Mm. getting in alignment with your female metabolism, your hormones, your menstrual cycle, if you're perimenopause or in menopause or postmenopause, researching um, people who are educated. One of my mentors, Saida Desolet, there's another woman, I can't remember her name. I actually recently interviewed her. She wrote a book called Flash Count Diaries, which is all about going through menopause and her somatic journey of that. Mm. So just whatever phase you are in in your life within your body, learning about it, learning what phase of, of your cyclical nature you were in and attuning to that, calibrating to that. I feel like this is another huge element to reorient our paradigm as a woman. If we want to talk about thriving, mm-hmm. this is fundamental. And the complexities and the layers that 
uh, stem from that of it is hard to shift into living in your cyclical nature because we've been brought up in a patriarchal, male-centric, testosterone-centered culture. And what I mean by that is things very simple as our work week has been designed to do with the male testosterone cycle. Just let that land for a second. Like (laughs) this means that we as female bodies have been fitting ourselves into the hormonal cycle, the energetic cycles of a man and his body and his nervous system. Because women's nervous systems also operate differently. Kimberly Ann Johnson talks about the Mm -hmm. female nervous system. But basically men's testosterone cycle works 12 hours, 12 hours. So that means like 12-hour peak, 12-hour drop. Now there may be some nuances here that I'm missing. But in general, this is like in the day they're peaking, in the night they're dropping, right? Whereas us, (laughs) our hormones are changing daily. They're like this, and then 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 they're like this. (laughs) One pops in up here. (laughs) Activates another one. Yeah, right? So if we're like this, and that's not chaotic, right? This is just its its own nature. And we're trying to fit into this straight line, that's not going to work. So when we are learning about our cyclical nature, learning about our hormones, we're like, well, it doesn't fit where I've been told I have to fit. And that's really challenging. And there are amazing educators. Our, one of our best friends, Jamie, um, she teaches on this. She's even giving a, well, we can plug her. She's going to be joining the podcast. <laughs> oh, well, very cool. Soon. Well, Jamie's so giving keep, a menstrual cycle keep an educator. Eye out soon. Yeah, training mm-hmm. to train women and, and how we can adapt that into whatever life I guess we are living as well. If we don't have the freedom to choose our lifestyle in that way completely because of our jobs. So, yeah, this is one big thing. And I'll let Jamie speak to all of that when you interview her is getting in touch with our cyclical nature. Something that I'm really big on on par with that is how our female hormones work and what is good for us in terms of our lifestyle, diet and exercise. Mm. A lot of us are also fitting ourselves in a diet culture and exercise culture into a male regime. Most workout people <laughs> are fitting themselves into what works for male bodies. Whenever I look for someone who is going to train me as a personal trainer, my first thing is, do they know about the female body and how it works? And also food, like the food's a very controversial topic, but we need to feed ourselves, ladies. Like we need to wake up and eat. Mm-hmm. and put food in our body <laughs> because our hormones need, especially at different times of the month, mm-hmm. they need to know that we are surviving so we can grow a baby inside of there. And even if you don't want to have kids, it's still important to work with your food in certain times of the month in order to take care of your hormones, knowing that they are thriving And if we want to talk about feminine thriving, we have to talk about our hormones. And I'm not going to go into that Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. But aligning to your cycle and how you're eating and how you're working out will determine certain levels of hormone imbalances that you have, gut imbalances, 
I'm in this whole process right now around it. And I just see how much I've been going against on a food level, mm. um, my hormones and stop having ice baths as well. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> so I went very, very practical here um, because I, I just find that, you know, if we really talk about thriving, we've got to get into these things that we haven't been educated on for sure and for me the the word where this word came from feminine thriving and thriving as the word is is looking at nature yeah and what does nature do when she's thriving she's cyclical she has death and rebirth she's like interconnected and also like yeah depending on on, on what we're talking about but the nutrients and the sun and the and the movement and the, all of the different things whether it be animal or plant like for, for nature to to thrive to thrive then all of these like very almost basic things um, are critical, you know, for, for this thriving. So it's definitely a part of the inspiration for, for where this name came from and this word thriving. Absolutely. And I have just like to just piggyback on mm -hmm. that and maybe we can close is yep. after years of, it's been four years now since running my program. And I mean, 10 years of working in this field with women, I've finally been able to discover some meaning of what it is that I teach. And as you talk about thriving and it being related to nature, what I've discovered is that what I'm teaching is about reclaiming the organic feminine. Mm. And this idea of the organic, of nature, of thriving like nature, this is where I feel like it all falls back to. And if we talk about the feminine, it's talking about the organic. It's talking about nature. It's remembering, recalibrating, reorienting back to the natural ways of being, natural way of living. And we can have all these teachings and concepts and stuff like that thrown at us from all mm. directions. But when you can attune to your body and your female body, you'll get all the information that you need, when to eat, how to eat. You don't need anyone telling you that stuff right you'll become in tune with your natural way of being and only that can be informed from the intelligence of your soma of your body and um also by spending a lot of time in nature mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. yeah yeah so absolutely the feminine it's it's nature and feminine thriving is thriving in our naturalness yeah for in sure organicity organicity yes exactly <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's a, a beautiful summary. And I love that this this isn't about like seeking lots and lots of new knowledge and information. Like, of course, information is super helpful. And but this it's it's in us. It's innate. It's innate. And all we're trying to do is reconnect, remember, like re be able to hear this innate wisdom that's speaking to us all day, every day. Oh, in nature. In wisdom. nature wisdom. It is already within us. And this is what I'm saying all the time in my classes. Like I'm not teaching you anything. I'm guiding you back into you and your own wisdom and your own body. And the more you can become attuned to that, the more you can hear also what are your needs, what are your desires, and bringing it all the way back to the beginning of the conversation. That is, it's all about being able to listen and hear this wisdom um, in all facets of life. And when we're living life from this space of listening, of hearing her, then, yeah, we become, we, we thrive because we're eating well, we're moving our bodies, we're in our pleasure and our sexuality, we are 
moving, yeah, we're in nature and um, yeah, we're putting up our boundaries and we're saying no to things that don't feel good and we are saying yes to the things that do. Exactly. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So, yeah, thank you so much. I love you. Thank you. Thank you for being all that you are (laughs) and sharing all of your wisdom. It's uh, changed my life Mm. for sure, without Mm -hmm. a doubt. Um, In fact, probably (laughs) to bring it back again to what you were sharing at the beginning, I probably some of the work in the Somatic Institute was the thing that attuned me so much to my body, to my needs that actually did give me the the wisdom and the um, even intelligence and power to leave my marriage Mm. that wasn't actually serving me and actually wasn't helping me thrive. Mm. And I I really remember it was like really, really, really connected to the work that we were doing there Mm. that gave me that clarity Mm. and off I went. And I mean, that's a whole nother story, (laughs) Um, but was one of the best decisions of my life. Wow. So beautiful. Yeah so happy to hear that Mm, thank you love and is there anything you want to share just before we close about where people can find you your somatic educator for women is actually open for enrollment (laughs) (laughs) around the corner from anuta (laughs) um but where to find me you can find me at the naked beach usually <laughs> at 7 a.m. in the morning. So you can find me there. <laughs> and then you can find me in the waterfall in the afternoon. Amazing. And then you can find me harassing dogs anywhere I can find them. <laughs> and other than that, um, you can find the Somatic Institute for Women, somaticinstituteforwomen.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on Instagram as well, Somatic Institute for Women. My personal Instagram is Marnie Crystal Joy, but you'll only find cute cat videos and my political views on there. Um, and then, yeah, that that's it. Shadow Shadowfacilitator.com for my shadow work facilitator trainings. That's coming up in July in Europe. And um, the Somatic Educator for Women 2024 training starts in March. We already have 120 women in there. Tamara is going to be joining us there as well. So, yeah, we're around. We're whoring ourselves around in different ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in the best ways possible. Ways. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So thank you all for listening. And just before we close, I think we could just take a few last deep breaths all together. A final little drop in. So letting the air out of the lungs, letting everything soften, the belly, the yoni. And a deep inhale all the way in. Ah, letting it go two more deep breaths deep inhale Ah, softening the jaw the belly the pelvic floor one last breath Amazing. Thank you. Love you. Kopunka. <laughs> Kopunka. Thank you for listening, sisters. We hope you're feeling expanded after being here with us. If you are, the best way you can support us on this journey of creating free content for this movement is to rate, review, or share this podcast. It would mean so much to us as we try and grow this sisterhood into a global revolution. 
And if you want to hear all of our latest news, get free practices and tips, and learn about our offerings, sign up for our juicy emails at thejtemple.com. Thank you so much, sisters. We love you and hope to see you soon.